every morning. And Father, specifically, we want to lift Liz up to you. And we want to ask you to touch her body in the name of Jesus. Bless her in Jesus' name. Let your word, God, enter our hearts and cause us to be transformed and to be more like you each day. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the pastor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. So today we continue in the book of Ephesians. Um, This book is just rich. It's a short letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus, but it was also a circular letter that it went out to all the churches, and it's addressing mainly Gentile Christians. So it was written for us. Um, you know, there were Jews and Gentiles meeting together uh, and, um, and following Jesus. And it was a big transition in the first century where, you know, it was, it was, it was hard to figure out what, you know, what this whole gospel thing was about. And so Paul was writing and saying, hey, we're all one. Jews and Gentiles, we're all one in Jesus. We're followers of Christ. And by Christ's sacrifice, he opened the door for all of us to worship him. So, um, so this particular... Uh, chapter we're getting into chapter three i love it is what i'm calling the power chapter it's all about power so i've titled this sermon feel the power um (laughs) when i was a kid in ohio we lived we lived for a few years in lancaster ohio and there was a, a amusement park called six flags and six flags had this wooden roller coaster the longest wooden roller coaster in the united states and it's called the beast and and its logo were these two tiger claws and like against a black background, you know. And so it was a really cool thing to be walking around your school with a black t-shirt that had tiger claws that said the beast, you know. And it was a really scary, uh, and, and, it's, and its tag phrase was, the beast unleashes its awesome power on the unsuspecting. So it's like, whoa, man. Um, and when you got on it, you felt the power. I mean, this thing just would come down. So I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where the, there's, a, there's, a, there's just a powerful force, whether it's a, a roller coaster like this, or if you've ever stood uh, like near the Niagara Falls, and there are millions and millions of gallons of water pouring over that falls and crashing down below, you can literally just feel the power. Um, when Rebecca and I got married, we, our honeymoon was in Costa Rica, and we got this little hotel, motel, I don't know what it was, a little room, but... The one whole wall was glass, and night fell, and I'm looking out through this all-glass window, and there is a live, active volcano outside of our window. So, like, we're in bed, and you could see little embers of lava dripping down the side, and I'm thinking, you know, this is the beginning of something great, but it may also be the end of something great. I mean, if the power unleashes, we're toast. Um, let me ask you this. Do you feel powerful? Do you feel powerful? When you're walking through the halls of, of your school, do you feel powerful? Or when you're walking through your office, do you feel powerful? Or, or you're at home taking care of your kids, do you feel powerful? Or do you tend to feel powerless? Do you tend to feel anxious? Do you tend to feel helpless? Do you tend to feel like you're out of control? I mean, if, if you're just, just you know, for your, in your own mind, think about it. How do you feel when you're, when you're walking around through life? Do you feel powerful or do you feel powerless? Um, it's interesting because some people feel powerful based upon, um, you know, 
know, different, different information, let's say. Uh, for example, there are some people that, are, that feel power, but they're, they're powerful, but their power, their sense of power is grounded in ignorance, okay? Have you ever seen these guys, and, and we all know them, and, and, you know, not naming names, but some of them may have been them at some point. Um, you know, I, I mean, you see, uh, sometimes you'll see a, a, a young, cocky teenager walking around with a certain kind of swagger, kind of a sense of power. They think they've just got it going on. And you go, you know, hey, dude, you, you actually have to get a job before you can, you know, walk around that way. Um, there was a, I don't know if you've ever seen these, but there are these pictures that, that are called fail. Like, you know, like it's just, it's a picture of something gone horribly wrong or, or just that's just weird. And it, they call fail. And there's one I saw this week. And it was a kid and he was holding up some, some cash. And he was like given this real tough look, right? And he's holding up this cash given this look like I'm really tough, I'm really powerful, I'm, you know, I'm all that. And then you kind of look a little bit closer, and the cash that he's holding up is a crumpled $5 bill, like a wadded up 10 and like three ones. So you're like, dude, $18 doesn't give you the power, okay? Um, So there's power grounded in, in, in ignorance. There's also power grounded in self. Sometimes we, we get a sense of, of power because of what we've done, what we've accomplished, what we've achieved, right? You've made a certain amount of money, and then that kind of gives you a sense of power. Or you've made, you know, you have a certain home, and that gives you a sense of power, right? Um, Friedrich Nietzsche, the, the, the philosopher, uh, calls this the will to power. Uh, he believed that the main driving force in humans was achievement, ambition, the striving to reach the highest possible position in life. These are all manifestations of the will to power. And we all know what that experience is like, you know, where we start to maybe feel a little bit powerful based upon something good that happened to us or something good that we did, right? The problem with that sense of power is that when that condition changes or when something outside of our control happens, then the source of our power is extinguished. It evaporates, right? So if you're you're feeling power in yourself because of your strength, and then you get a disease and you and you're suddenly you don't have that power anymore then your own personal sense of power dissipates right or if you've got this job and you're you're feeling powerful and that job goes away your source of power dissipates right another source of power that people ground themselves in is power what i call power by proximity you're powerful by virtue of who you're hanging around with right he's powerful or she's powerful therefore i'm powerful and I used to see this in Los Angeles, and you know, these guys, if they would get, you know, a movie, they'd start getting a little famous, then they would have this entourage, right? They'd have these guys, these hangers-on, that would walk around with them like, I'm powerful because I'm with him, right? <laughs> that didn't always work out for them. First of all, everybody that wanted to talk to him were just trying to get past them, right? They weren't, they, they had no sense of power themselves. Um, and second of all, if Mr. Big Shot ever decides you're out of the entourage, your power just evaporates, right? So power by proximity. Um, but Paul, in this chapter, is talking about a, a power that's omnipotent. It's eternal. It's a source of power that doesn't go away. It's with us in highs and lows. It's with us when things are good. It's with us when things are bad. It's the power of the Spirit within you. The power of God's spirit that dwells 
inside of you. And he's praying, this, cha- this chapter that we're reading, he is praying for that power to come upon you. And his prayer is fascinating. We're going to jump into it. But his prayer is fascinating because he prays, and I love this because it just mirrors our own church's vision statement. Our church's vision statement is engaging minds, encouraging hearts, empowering hands, right? That's what we're about. We want to we engage people's intellects with, with the brilliance and majesty of, of the gospel. We want to encourage their hearts, strengthen them, stir them up, build relationships, and then empower their hands so they can go out and do what God has called them to do, what God has made them to do. And this, this passage tracks that. Um, Paul and I were having a conversation, and we thought, you know, uh, no. Um, it, because he prays for your heart, he prays for your mind, and then he prays for your life. That all of these would have power. So let's just jump into the passage. Ephesians 3, we're going to go 14 through 21, okay? Uh, and I'm going to read the whole passage, and then we'll go back and break it up a little bit. Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Paul's saying, I'm praying for you, right? That, according to the riches of his glory, God's glory, he may grant you, us, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So he's praying first that the power will come into your heart, right? Next slide. That you also, this is, this is what I'm also praying for, also that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend, right, with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ That surpasses knowledge. So he's praying for your mind. He said, I want you to comprehend how much God loves you. The love of Jesus. I want you to comprehend this. I want you to know this. I want want God to give you this power to understand that. And I love how he says, it's a knowledge that surpasses knowledge. I want you to know something that there's no way you can know. I want you to have, be divinely empowered to understand the breadth, depth, height of Christ's love for you. So he's praying for your heart, praying for your mind. Next slide. He says, and I'm also praying that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So he's saying, I want, I want it to be, I want it, the whole thing. I want your whole life to be filled with the knowledge of God, with the love of God, and with the fullness of God, right? And then he ends the prayer by saying, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power of At work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So he's saying, I want you to have this power in your heart. I want you to have this power in your mind. I want you to have the fullness of the power in your life, right? Not for you, but so that you can do what glorifies God. So that you can bring glory, not to yourself, but you can bring glory to God. Because that is what we are called to do. When you say, you know, my sons love to say, yeah, but why? 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 So you've got to keep going, right? Why is the grass green? Because, you know, uh, there's a thing. Yeah, photo. What is that? Right. Chlorophyll. Thank you. Um, and then there's other things, too. But anyway, and they keep asking, but, yeah, but why? But why? But why? Right? So in our why, but why, but why, it's like because ultimately it pleases God. Ultimately, God is glorified by that, right? So he wants us to be strengthened. He wants us to have knowledge. He wants us to have power so that we can do what brings him glory. 
Amen? Okay. All right. Good. So let's jump into the first part. I'm going to go to uh, focus on the very first um, part of that passage. So let's start at the beginning, right? For this reason, he says, I bow my knees. Paul's saying, I bow my knees. And we're just going to dwell on this part for a minute. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. In your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He wants Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay. So the first point he's trying to make is that he's praying that for power in your hearts that you might have faith. He's praying for power in your heart that you might have faith. Uh, When I was a teenager, we were up in... Uh, McCall, Idaho. We were at a church camp, and um, uh, and at the end of the church camp, we went tubing down the Snake River. All right, and for all you know, uh, if for all of you that have teenage kids, just know that our church will not take your kids tubing down the Snake River. It's dangerous. Okay, we were on a we were on this craft. It was a you know floating craft that. It looked like it had been put together with rubber tires. You know, it wasn't, it didn't look official. It was a raft, but it didn't look like, you know, that you had bought, that they had bought it at a store. It looked like somebody had melted rubber inner tubes together. But anyway, so we're going down the Snake River. There are all these rapids, you know, it's, it's actually beautiful. Pine trees on both sides, the sun beaming down, the water's glistening. It's so gorgeous and it's awesome. And we're riding on, you know, you kind of got your legs around the edge of the tube thing. And you're holding on to this rope. And, you know, we're just flying down this river. And at one point, you know, this thing is going up and down and like this. And we're just having an awesome time. But then at one point, we hit this, we hit this rapid. And our tube just went, boom, completely upside down. Um, everybody dumped out. We're all teenagers. And I think there were maybe, you know, one or two adults. But all the teenagers, you know, we're all out in the water now, right? Um, <laughs> Um, I don't think we had signed releases, but uh, the, the lawyer part of the brain just starts going. Um, so I remember going straight down underwater. And we all had life vests on, okay? But uh, had a little moment of panic. Like, it's not good to be underwater for a long time. I knew that. Uh, and so I'm trying desperately to claw my way back up out from this rapid. And this rapid is just flowing down. And I'm trying, and I'm trying, and I'm trying, and I'm trying, and I am getting nowhere. And I am feeling very uh, nervous about this. And I don't know if it was some part of my brain that just clicked together, you know, like, hey, when you go underwater in rapids, you're supposed to just relax. But somewhere I had heard that. And so I did. I finally just stopped trying. And I felt my body go down a little bit further, and I could feel the smooth stone surface of the bottom of the river, the riverbed, against my back. And I just was flowing like this along the bottom of the river, and pretty soon I just went pop, and I just popped right up. And I'm looking around, and I was fine. And everyone was fine. Everybody starts popping up here and there. And, and uh, um, There was one girl that actually got injured, but... Um, uh, because she had gotten, well, it's a long story. This doesn't, doesn't tie in with the message. We'll get into that some other time. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but, but, but the fact is that in that moment, what I needed to do was stop trying, right? I needed to stop trying in that moment. 
What's fascinating about this passage is that Paul is telling us, and he tells us a little bit earlier in the passage, he says there's a mystery, there's a mystery involved in this power, and the mystery is this, that you can't earn the power. You can't get it. He said, I am a Pharisee of Pharisees. I have been righteous. I have obeyed every portion of the law from the time I was a little child. And no one else is more righteous than me. No one else is better at following God's word and following God's commands than I am. And even I cannot get it through my own achievement. The mystery is that through the blood of Christ, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, everything opens up to us through him. It's his work, it's his act that transforms our lives. It's a, and that's why Paul called it a mystery. We take it for granted here, now. We say, yeah, by grace, of course, the mercy of God, the sacrifice of Jesus, got it, all that, right? But in the first century, this was anathema. This was bizarre. This was not, not conceivable that somehow Paul is saying, stop trying to win God's favor. Stop. Quit. Quit trying to earn his favor. You can't do it. He did it for you. Before the foundation of the world, he did it for you. Right? Um, let me just talk for just a second about the law because that's what, that's what he's, he's addressing here. The law, the Old Testament law, and I'm talking about the moral law, the Ten Commandments and the, and the, and the laws that derive from them, the, the outcomes or the purpose of those laws are the following. Number one, protection. There were dozens and actually hundreds of laws uh, that were given. And one of the things that those laws did was to try to protect people, right? So you, you can see this in your own home. Uh, you tell your child, here's one of your rules. Don't touch the stove, right? The child says, eh, I think I'll touch the stove. The rule is to protect the child, right? So the laws of God are for our protection. The laws of God are for education, for, for teaching us what is right and what is wrong. Because there are some things that we might not know. I didn't know that it was not right to gossip about someone. Um, but, the, but, the, but, the, but the commandments say, don't do that. And so you go, okay, so that's wrong, right? So it's education. Um, exposure. The law exposes the rebelliousness within us. And we still see this. I mean, you know, even that same example with the child touching the stove. Sometimes he touches the stove because you told him not to touch it, right? You know, he wasn't even going to touch it. And then you said, don't touch it. And he said, no, I think I'm going to touch it, right? So, so it's, it's, it exposes, the law can expose rebellion in our own hearts. Um, edification. The law is meant to bring joy, right? Jesus would over and over would say, follow the commandments, right? Why? Not to bind you up, but to liberate you, to free you, right? Your, the, the commandments are meant to bring you fullness of life. Um, and finally, motivation. By the law, we see that we need God, right? Now, here's the interesting thing. The same God that created the law created the sacrifice because he knew that we couldn't adhere to the law. He says, you must do this. Full stop, period, end. Also, you'll never be able to do this. So I'm going to offer you a sacrifice. I'm going to offer you a way out because you cannot do what I'm asking you to do. And as an example of that, let me just, let me just say this. So when the scripture says, when the commandments say, thou shalt not steal, what it's really saying is 
Never, ever steal anything, not even once. Not even one time. Ever. Anywhere. In your life. A paperclip. Don't steal it. Right? When it says, uh, don't uh, commit adultery, it's saying, don't ever even in your heart feel lust for someone that you're not married to. Not even one time, ever. Not one time. Don't ever do it. Right? When it says, don't lie, it's... It's saying, don't ever even tell one teeny white lie one time ever in your whole life. Never, ever do it. You, you can't, you know, never, ever breach that law, right? And as I'm saying this, I know most of you are saying, that's fine. I've never done any of those things. Um, but I can't quite say that. Um, so the law is there, and it requires perfection, and we can't be perfect. And so that's the whole arrangement, Right? And so God says, here's the mystery. The mystery of God's law is that God knows you cannot keep it. And God has provided a way for you to escape. The punishment of disobeying the law. He says, quit trying. My son has done it for you. Um, So the part about the power of faith in your heart is that Paul wants you, he wants me... To have in our heart this assuredness, this confidence, this boldness in our life. Knowing that we belong to God through the act of his son. That Christ, that that you may have faith in your heart. That Christ may dwell in your heart. That's what he's praying for. Boldness, confidence, power in your heart through faith. Amen? Uh, There's a great quote from the uh, pastor and theologian Martin Lloyd-Jones. He says, it is sin... To allow the past, which God has already dealt with, to rob us of our joy and our usefulness in the present and in the future. That's what Paul is praying. He's saying, look, I don't want your past to hinder, hamper, dampen the power, your usefulness, your joy here and now. I want you to have power. I want you to walk through the halls of your school with a sense of power. I want you to walk through the office knowing that there is a power dwelling in your heart that is greater than any power in the entire universe. He wants you to know this. Remember how I told you the first three chapters of Ephesians are doctrine and the last last three are practice. The, The hard part about teaching the doctrine is it's not like, so go do this, right? Because then you can go, okay, I'm out. I'll do that. Let me just write that down, right? It's more like, know this, right? So we're going to get into chapter 4 next week. But I I just really want you to know that God wants you to have the power of the knowledge of his faith, of his sacrifice in your heart. He wants it to be embedded, instilled deep in your heart so that you can walk with boldness and confidence and faith. Amen? Amen. Watchman Nee says, The sight of any trouble strikes terror into the heart of those who do not have faith. But those who trust him say, Here comes my food. I love that quote. The challenge, you know, you see that challenge, that obstacle, that problem coming down the path. If you don't have faith, if you don't have the power that gets derived from faith, you're going, oh man, how am I going to get out of this? If you have the power, you're going, bring it on. Let's go. Come on. Bring on the challenge because I know I'm going to walk through it and I'm gonna, I know I'm going to weather it and I know I'm going to be stronger as a result of it no matter what. I'm in God's hands. Amen. All right. Ephesians three seventeen through 19. So we're going to the next part. This is the mind part. And and I'm putting the same quote in so you can see at the top, so you can see that he's still praying. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. That you being rooted and grounded in love, that's that's your soil, 
right? Soil is love. May have strength to comprehend. Comprehend in the Greek (laughs) means to grab a hold of it. To wrap your arms around it. To pull it down. To get it. To grasp it. I want you to get this, he says. That you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know, to know deep, intimate knowledge, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. I want you to know something that you cannot get on your own. I want you to have the divine power to know the love of Christ. To know how much he loves you. Have you ever been right at the outer limits of your understanding? Where you're like learning something and you're kind of getting it. But you know that if like, you know, if if a bird flies by, you're going to lose it. Like it's all going to fall out. Jameson always thinks of things going in his head and then falling out of his head. So he'll say, hey dad, I want to put a secret in your head. But don't let it fall out when you get to work. And I go, okay, (laughs) okay. And then he says, I want you to cut the end of your work off and then put that on to tomorrow so that you can come home and play with me. And I go, oh, okay, good. I'll put that in my head. And then, um, but anyway, if you've ever been to the, the edge, the periphery of your understanding, you'll know what I'm talking about. And I, I was talking to someone today uh, or yesterday or this week about um, uh, what they call search engine optimization. And that is where, you know, a lot of people are now finding our church online. They're Googling, looking for a church. And then, you know, and, and so I was ca- talking to a guy about, so if somebody's looking for a church and they're looking for a church online, how do, how do we make it so they can find our church? Uh, and he said, search engine optimization. And we started talking. And before I knew it, I was just, I mean, I was right there at the edge. I was like, hmm. And he was saying, you got to have t- keywords. You got to know the target audience. You got to have HTML. You got to have coding to increase relevance and remove barriers. You got to indexing activities, backlinks, inbound links. And he's talking and I'm going, I kind of know what you're saying, but not really. Like, I mean, they're all in English, but I've never heard these words in this way. You know, right there at the edge of my comprehension. Uh, Paul's saying, I want you to understand something that is beyond your comprehension. I want you to comprehend something that you cannot comprehend. And the only way you can comprehend it is through faith. I want you to have the power in your mind to get how much Jesus loves you. Um, in our house, when we're trying to say how much we love one another, we, I don't know who started this, but somebody will say, I think my wife, but the boys will say, Mom, I love you to the moon and back. And then the other one will say, I love you to outer space and back. And the other one will say, I love you to the stars and back. And then I jump in, I go... I love you to Saturn. Then you got to go two times around Venus. Then you go over to the arch, go through it. Then you come back down, go to Brentwood. Then go over to Fitz's. And then upstairs, then downstairs. Then come down Del Mar, turn around, go back, and then and back. And that's how much I love you. And by that time, they're just like, dude, that's, that's, that's not cool, Dad. That's, um, but but that's, what, that's what Paul's trying to say. Get how much Christ love you, loves you. Um, because when we get that, when we truly understand that, then no matter what circumstance we are in, we know that nothing can separate us from his love. That's why the psalm says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm walking through the shadow of death. Someone has died. Or I'm going to die. Or 
I walk through that valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Because why? We know thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I love that image. You know, you've got a shepherd with a rod and a staff. And he's got a rod and, it's, and, it's, and when the wolves come, this is what he's going to use. The rod. And get those wolves off. And then when the, the staff, is, when we go astray, when we, he's going to get that little hook and he's going to sort of gently pull us back in. And there's a comfort in that. There's a comfort in knowing that there is a heavenly father who absolutely adores us. No matter what we do or say, he loves us. He's going to discipline us. He's going to teach us. He's going to train us. But he loves us. And, and his, the height and depth and breadth of his love is incomprehensible except for the power of his spirit coming into our heart and into our mind. Amen. Uh, I read an article in the, in the Huffington Post. A, a counselor and author named Tion Dayton. She says, it's love that gives a person a sense that they are worthy and valuable. It's love that motivates us to be more than we thought we could be. That gives us the courage to do things that uh, would otherwise terrify us. Without love, she says, life is a constant struggle against emptiness. People do phenomenal things for those they love simply because they cannot bear the thought of losing them or the idea that they may be suffering. Love can help us cope with illness or deprivation. It can give us strength to tolerate inhuman conditions or the passion to survive and thrive in spite of the odds against us. Love is empowering. Love is stronger than death. The whole Corinthians, without love, nothing else matters. And when we think of us not, not when we don't think of us sending out love, but when we think of that love being directed towards us, that's a very empowering thing to grasp, right? To know that you are absolutely loved. That in the eyes of God, you are adored. That's, that, that's doctrine, guys. That's doctrine. I, that's not like self-help. That's not like, you know, psychobabble. That's the Apostle Paul saying, you cannot even begin to comprehend how much Christ loves you. Amen? All right. So then let's go to Ephesians 3, 19. And this is the, the end of what he's saying. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He's saying, I want God, the fullness of God, to permeate your life. Everything you do, you say, you think, everywhere you go, you are empowered by the love of Christ. Empowered in your heart, mind, body, soul, spirit, hands. That's the engaging hearts, encouraging minds, empowering hands. At the end of the day, he wants you to have this power, right? So you can go out and do what God wants you to do to bring him glory. That's what he's calling us to. Um, Jesus responds, Jesus says this too. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. I want your life to be full. That's what God wants for you. It is not a, being a follower of Jesus is not a restrictive life. It's an absolutely liberating, emboldening, powerful life that he's calling you and me to. Amen. Um, have you ever seen someone that's firing on all, on, on all pistons? Like they're just, everything is clicking. Like they're just going, like everything's working. And then sometimes in your own life, you may say, well, you know, I'm kind of getting going, but then there's a part of my life that's dragging me down and, um, and the analogy that I, that I thought of for this is, is my car, my $6,000 vehicle, which I've talked about a few times. It was a great buy. You know, when I, when I bought it, I paid $6,000 for this car. I drove off the lot, and I go, man, I am the smartest. I am the smartest car buyer 
in the world, right? About 20 minutes later, when it kind of starts to shudder like this on the freeway, I'm going, huh, that's interesting. I wonder if the ink has dried on that contract yet. Um, I took it in last week, and they said, coil number one is not firing. It's misfiring. Coil number one. And so what I understand that to mean is that the, the spark that's going to light the fuel-air mixture, it's not transferring to light that mixture on time. And so the fuel is there. The spark is there. The wheels are there. I'm there. But something's not transferring in the right time to, to make the fire, to light the fuel, to make the car go. And that's why when I drive, it goes like that. Shutters like that. Right? That's sometimes what's happening in our lives. And Paul's saying, I, I want you to fire on all pistons. I want the whole fullness of God's love in your life so that you can walk through life with a fullness and a confidence and a boldness and a strength based upon the knowledge of God's love for you. That's what he's asking us. Um, Sometimes it's an information problem. So sometimes we just don't know. We just don't know what God has for us, right? So it's an information problem. We just don't have it. Sometimes it's just a wear and tear problem, right? You were, you, 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 you were imbued with power. You loved Jesus. God came into your heart, changed your life, and it was a long time ago. And over the years, you kind of, you know, it was a little wear and tear. You kind of forget. You kind of get sidetracked. You know, the knowledge of his love kind of just sort of gets put on the back burner, right? And he's saying, man, I want a fresh, new boldness to come into your life, to understand how much God loves you. Amen? So you got to change that coil. You gotta change it. It's expensive to change a coil. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Here's how we do it. And I'm just going to give you three quick points. Um, because I love that so much. To give points. Number one. For the fullness of your power. Accept your mission. We're going to talk more about this later. Accept your mission. And we know that our mission. As a church. As believers. Is this. We are called to encourage. To strengthen. To engage. To love other people, right? Why? So that they can come and find the love of Christ for themselves, right? So that their lives can be transformed by the gospel. Jesus can pull them out of their sin and transform their lives. Why? So that they can become empowered to do the same thing. That's all it is. It's extremely simple. And why do we want them to become empowered to do the same thing? Because that's what brings God glory. That's it. That's what he wants. He likes that. So that's why we do it. Um, our, whole, our whole, everything we do here from the worship service to the growth track to the dream team to the life groups, all that we do, we do for that purpose. If you are doing, you know, uh, greeting people at the front door, making coffee, putting up a drum uh, riser, whatever you're doing in this church, it's for that purpose. Because ultimately, our task is to bring people to the love of, of God and have their lives changed and empowered by Christ. Amen? Um, in fact, I was, uh, I, 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 when we were down in, in Birmingham last week, one thing they had at their church, well, they had greeters. Like when you walk up to the church, uh, these, somebody would open the door for you and say, hi, how you doing? And you're like, hi, how are you? Great. And, uh, and it was just kind of neat. And so last Sunday I said, 
you know, we ought to have greeters at our front door because that would be really cool. And my mother-in-law, who was here last week, she's like, you already have greeters at your front door. And she said, they, they opened the door for me and they greeted me and said hello. And I was like, really? Wow. So I sent an email to Darlene and, and Verl, who are the head of, uh, Darlene is head of greeting and hospitality. And I sent an email to her and her husband, Verl, who's the head of ushering. And I said, you guys, thanks for like anticipating needs and being proactive and just like doing it. And uh, by the time I saw her response, she had already emailed it to the greeters who had kind of come up with the idea, Allison and Jackie. And it's like, man, you guys, I mean, it's, it's like everybody's getting this already. That, that really our job in life, in church, at school, at work, wherever we are, is to try to, to, try to do things that are going to make people receptive to the gospel, right? Just kind of clear the obstacles out of the way. So that clear the barriers out of the way so that people have the opportunity to come and find Jesus. That's all we're doing. So number one, accept your mission. Number two, execute your assignment with excellence. And that's really what that example was for. I mean, executing your assignment. We all have different assignments. And let me tell you this. I'm the pastor. My job is to stand up here and preach. And also my job is to uh, build leaders and empower you to empower others. But my job is not more important than anybody else's job in this church. It's not. We, we all have different roles. And my role is, is a particular role. But it's not a more important role than your role. I believe that. I don't know if you believe that. But I, believe, I honestly believe that. I know that God has called each of us to be a part of the body. But the eye is not import, more important than the hand. The hand is not more important than the foot. Foot is not more important than the elbow. I mean, in, in the body of Christ, it's all one. You're all one in Christ. So that's my view of it, <laughs> is that we are all in this together. And our role as a body, as a church, is to reach out and change this world. I believe we can do it person by person. I absolutely believe it. I think we're going to change this community. We're going to change the city. We're going to change the state. We're going to change the world. I believe it. I believe that. I really do. Executing your assignment with excellence. Reverend Martin Luther King says, All labor that uplifts humanity has dignity and importance and should be undertaking with, undertaken with painstaking excellence. Everything that we do that up, uplifts humanity should be done with painstaking excellence. That's why we try to do things the best that we can. We just do them as well as we can. And, and then when we can't do them any better, then we stop. But usually you can do them better. And so we just keep trying to do things better and better because it's important. It's, 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 it's uplifting humanity. It's bringing people to God. And number three, so that was execute your assignment with excellence. Number three, empower others to do the same. From the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he did a lot of things. He healed people. He did miracles. He taught to crowds. But most of what he did was spend time with his disciples, training them to do what he was doing. Right? And what did they do? They trained others to do what they were doing. And the fact that you and I are in this building today, worshiping Jesus, is the direct result of people training other people and empowering other people to do what they learned to do from the person who lear they learned it from all the way back to Jesus himself. That's, why, that's how we got here. <laughs> if you're wondering how we got here, that's how it happened. Somebody taught the God, Jesus taught the gospel 
trained the disciples. They trained others. They trained others. They empowered others. They empowered others. And here we are. And our job as a church is to empower others. Amen. All right. And we're going to wrap it up right here. All of this, Paul says, is to the uh, glory of God. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. This is a power chapter, man. All the power that at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. This is not a temporary thing that we're doing. It's not a, just a little club. This is, you know, it's something that is eternal. The things that are happening here have, an eternal, have eternal ramifications. This, this is forever. And, and, and all that we do is to bring glory to God. I love how he says he's able to do more than we ask or think. Beyond what we can even comprehend. Beyond what we could ever fathom. And some of you already have experienced that. I know that for my life, personally, God has already done more than I could have ever in a million years dreamed of. He has completely changed my life, transformed my life, pulled me out of darkness, gave me a new life. Things that, I mean, I don't deserve any of what I've got. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve my wife, you know, uh, and, and, and most of you guys don't either. Um, <laughs> um, um, but, but God gives us more than we could um, imagine, right? He just gives us more than we could possibly fathom. Um, and so, and he does it for his glory. So I just, I just think that, you know, as we wrap this up, I mean, we're done with the doctrine portion of Ephesians. Um, so, so I hope that you feel really good because the next three chapters are, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) Uh, what do we do with this knowledge that we have? Um, uh, and so, um, I just, I just, I'm just thrilled. I'm just thrilled that God has called all of us to this, and I'm thrilled to be doing ministry with you, and I'm thrilled to know that God is, uh, empowering our hearts, empowering our, our minds, strengthening our hands to go out and do his word. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand together. If you're, um, you know, if you're here today and you have never even experienced the, the, the initial part of this where you go, look, I, you know, I, I, I'm not a Christian, like I'm not a follower of Jesus, but I, I want to be like, I want to get, I want to be a part of the family of God, then I'm going to encourage you to, to make that decision today. Just make the decision in your own heart. And when we pray, you can kind of pray that there's no formula, but you can take that step. You can cross that threshold, uh, uh, today. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to pray that, that you do that. And if you're somebody who's like, been a part of church maybe for years or whatever, but you're not firing on all pistons, you're not experiencing the power of God in your heart, in your mind, in your life, and you want to, I'm going to pray for you too, that you will. That's what Paul's praying. Paul says, I'm on my knees praying for that for you. So we're going to pray for that too. And, um, and uh, if you do, if you, if you, if during this prayer you say, hey, look, I, I'm going to, I'm going to cross the threshold. I'm going to become a Christian. Let us know. Put it on your little connection card and let us know. You can put it in the basket at the, at the end of service so that we can send you some information and you can just figure out what the next steps are. Because, you know, coming to Jesus is like not the end of the game. That's not the end of the game at all. That's the beginning of the game. 
That's the beginning. That's when we just, that's when we, that's when we start living. That's when, that's when the scales come off and we start to see what life's all about. We start to see who we really are. Um, so I want to encourage you to do that. So let's all just pray together, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this letter. Thank you for the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to us. God, help us to really grasp what we are, who we are, who you are, uh, and what we are in you. Uh, We pray, God, that you would give us the power that Paul is talking about, empower us in our hearts, empower us in our minds, empower the fullness of our life, God, that we can go out and do what you've called us to do, uh, both here in church and then out in our workplaces and our schools and in our homes and with our families and friends. God, give us that power, we pray. And for those, Lord, who who have never come to you, we pray that they would just open their hearts and just say, God, I want to follow you. I want forgiveness. I want you to take my life. I cannot do it on my own. I'm swimming upstream and it's not working and I want to just give it over to you. I pray for them right now that in their heart they would make that decision. And Lord, I also pray for those who are, you know, you know, uh, battle weary. They've been Christians and the, the world has sort of battered them around um, and they're followers of you, but they're just not imbued with your power. And I want to pray for them right now, God, that somewhere in, your, in their heart you would light that flame. Just light that flame and let it glow and let it grow into a burning inferno, Lord, so that their, their heart, their life, they're, they're just full of power. And their power is grounded in you. And their power is directed at bringing glory to you. Father, we thank you for all of these things. We praise you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Feel the power, guys. Um, we're going to take a few minutes here at the end of service.